It's pretty surreal. It's it's nice to see some, I guess, a lot of work behind the scenes um, pay off. And um, yeah, it's it's something I haven't dreamt of yet, but it's it's pretty cool. Well, there we have it. Day one of the 151st Open Championship in the bag. Day two, as you're listening to this, will be well underway. So we are coming to you from the past, but we're in the present or the future. Who knows at this point? It's been a very, very long week at Royal Liverpool, but what a fun week it's been so far. Welcome to the latest Open Commute in association with Callaway Golf, brought to you by Bunkered. Michael McEwen here at Hoylake, as I have been all week. And as I say, what a week it's been. The first round is over and done with. And we'll come to those details in just a few seconds. First, I've got two guests. Well, not, I keep calling him a guest, but he's not. He's actually just more of a colleague these days. Associate Editor Alex Perry. Hello, welcome. I think if I get paid by the company, I, that officially annihilates my guest status. <laughs> You're getting paid to do this. <laughs> I need to have a word with someone. How are you doing? Do you enjoy the first day? I did enjoy the first day. I have been here since 6am. It is, at the time of recording, 7.44. The bags under my eyes are very dark. I'm very tired, but I have absolutely loved it. I would love you to go and tell that to a junior doctor or somebody like that <laughs> and just see how you get on. <laughs> That would that would amuse me greatly. So, Alex, thank you for your time before you presumably leave and go back leave to the hotel. Leave and go straight <laughs> face into my pillow within about half an hour of this finishing, I think. Most likely. And our our other guest, our guest, Alex, our guest. <laughs> our guest, yes. And my goodness, I can't believe I've actually done this. I've surrounded myself with Englishmen. So, Tolkien, there's now Tolkien 1 and Tolkien 2, essentially. Luke Cardenine from Golf Digest. Hello, welcome back to The Commute. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, first time in non-masters podcast appearance. Did you not do the Open last year? No. I, I, my wife was about to have our first child, so I was at home for the Open last year. That's so right. So Royal were. Liverpool marks my return to Open Championship coverage. How are you, and how are you enjoying being back in Old Blighty? Oh, it's good. It's good. I, I was actually here when Rory won in 2014 too. Ah, so yes. few changes. It's course is playing a bit different, but yeah, it's it's fun to be back. Excellent, excellent. So thank you, gents. There's a lot to get into. So let's go straight to the leaderboard, shall we? So currently, as it stands, as Alex rightly said, there's still a few players out there on the golf course as we're recording this. But honestly, I'm not anticipating much change at the top of the leaderboard. So we have Christo Lamprecht if I'm pronouncing that properly, the South African amateur who we're going to talk more about in a second. He's been out there on five under Parsons very early this morning alongside Tommy Fleetwood, the local hero, and Emiliano Grillo, who, of course, as you'll remember, he ended uh, an eight-year winless drought on the PGA Tour just back in May at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Missed the cut at St Andrews last year, so far doing somewhat better. Then a shot further back, four under, we've got Antoine Rosner from France, who's making his open debut. Adrian Otegi also on four under. The Spaniard who was making some waves because of his hmm, alignment with Live Golf, should we say. And Brian Harmon, the, well, he's the leading lefty in the clubhouse at the moment, also on four under. 36-year-old American playing in his ninth open. He tied for sixth at St Andrews last year, so has some form on links. Then there's Stuart Sink, who at the age of 50, well, he's trying to do what he stopped Tom Watson doing <laughs> at Turnbury in 2009, which is chalk one up for the old boys, going along very nicely 
three under, as is the US Open champ Wyndham Clark, Alex Norrin, who was on the pod earlier in the week, and Max Homa still on the golf course, two holes to go, three under par. Gentlemen, let's start with Lamprecht, if we may. Am I saying that right? You're asking, you're asking the wrong person. I have no idea. No, I should have more respect for the name considering my name's a disaster to, to say. <laughs> what, a, what a performance from the... He qualified for this week, obviously, via the Amateur Championship. But, Luke, you, you've written about him at length today. Six foot eight, size 13 feet, hits at miles... Size 13 US, so size 12 UK. Oh, oh yeah, right, okay. Right, yeah. Oh, well, that's not quite as impressive. Not though. quite as impressive, is it? <laughs> that was just... <laughs> so when he came off the course and he went over to the reporter's area, which we call the mixed zone in the industry, the second question out of 27 was, what's your shoe size? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he was telling the truth when he said US 13... And the boy's six eight. Surely he's got to be fifteen. He, but it was hilarious though because he just replied and went, "Yeah, I'm just a standard size. There's definitely bigger feet than mine in America." It's <laughs> <laughs> a normal answer to a normal question. I always feel a bit bad when a, a notably tall golfer pops into contention at these things because inevitably gets trotted out in front of the media, and the media just can't help themselves. Right? We're just like, so what's it like being really tall? <laughs> yeah, like, so but we like that feet? with all of our sports stars, aren't we? It's you true. think of uh, Peter Crouch, for example, the. Yeah. Yeah. six foot seven or whatever he is we just can't like you say we can't help ourselves it's just it's like that scene in the office where they say we've grown ourselves a goggle-eyed freak it's just like that <laughs> like, this but guy's huge we've got it, to it talk never about works it the opposite way with someone who's incredibly small you never say so how do you make the most of what you've got wee man <laughs> goes are they way. size four feet <laughs> why are you looking at me when you're saying that <laughs> but, but look obviously as i said you've written about him today you've taken a detailed look at what makes him tick and where he gets or how he's able to produce these scores what should we know about him what's so impressive about him so the interesting thing i think is well really with every golf swing is that it's kind of molded by the kind of clubs and the equipment you grew up playing right and the problem that christo faced is that you know the clubs were just so short for him relative to his height right like because there's a cap on how long these clubs can be with starting with a driver that's right yeah. now so it means that unlike other players who have had to who have been able to have the equipment melded to their swing and their body he's had to like melt his body to his clubs and so it pops up in all these interesting ways right like especially through the ball a lot of people notice that he keeps his knees really bent essentially like through the ball and that's because he's like trying to get down to the ball he needs to make himself shorter and get into the ground and he i thought he was really interesting in his press conference afterwards because he was saying you know for you know you don't turn to six eight overnight no right? he, and he was saying that oh uh, it, it, it my game was everywhere for two three years you know i went through this big growth spur and i was swinging different clubs every week and i was hitting the ball all over the place and he just had no bearings for his own game because of how much his body was changing and it's just really interesting to see it all come together in the way it did it certainly was alex i think this is the second lowest round or certainly opening round by an amateur the second um, lowest opening round in an open by an amateur tom lewis 2011 was good knowledge 65. that was going to be the question so look back to you <laughs> <laughs> i should have asked you i should have said what well, go on i know it who was it but obviously it's, it's a really impressive start it's the obvious question that everybody's thinking can he go all the way it's it's such a loaded question mm -hmm. because obviously i want to sit here and go of course he can go all the way 
which of course he can. It's Ling's golf. It's absolutely mental. He's obviously a very good player. But if he's anywhere there and thereabouts on Sunday, you have to think that probably... A top, we've had, How many amateurs have we had in the top 10 in the last few years? Plenty. Mm, yeah. It's not anything new to finish in the top 10. But when was the last amateur winner of... A, uh, of a major 1933 I want to say I did actually write that piece as well but it's already fallen out of my brain there's so much has gone in today um, <laughs> Bobby Jones oh, well Bobby Jones was probably the last open winner I imagine mm-hmm. was he last yeah. me- amateur open yeah we're all, looking, we're all looking at each other hoping we know the answer <laughs> aren't we so uh, Bobby Jones is the last amateur winner I think but he was also the last uh, amateur winner at Royal Liverpool Oh my right. goodness. There you go. So you wow. Could it be in the start? Wow. That's why he brought you on, Luke, for the info we don't have. <laughs> for useless facts that might be incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, so there's precedent. That's what we're saying. It's precedent that's almost a century old, but there is precedent there. Can I back him for the silver medal rather than the win, please? I think he's just about got that in the yeah. bag at the moment, barring any sort of disaster tomorrow, but... Can we see a disaster happening? I think so. You know, like, I think the interesting thing about a golfer with so much power is that it can go one of two ways. Like, sometimes you can just break apart the golf course. Like, the third hole today, I don't know if you guys saw how he played the third hole today, he just pumped a driver into the stands. (laughs) (laughs) What internal out of bounds? Yeah, exactly. He just hit it a mile over it. So, you know, that's kind of like what the Bryson formula was at the 2020 Wingfoot US Open, right? Like, he just kind of hacked the golf course in this unique way because of his power but of course that can go in the opposite direction too it's just yeah. like one miss hit and this ball could go into the ob he could slice it out about so yeah he is what bryson thought he was going to be mm. essentially yeah. and a modern day monster let's talk about tommy fluid alex <laughs> i don't know if we should get too excited about tommy because well there's still a Sunday to come, and typically of late he has struggled on Sundays. But there's just something different looking about him this week. Seems very relaxed. He's close to home, I guess. Southport's not that far away. He seems to be surfing on good vibes, no? I mean, don't don't call him a scouser on social media. That's uh, that's caused a few disasters today. I don't know if you've seen that kicking off. Great fun, Tommy. Yeah, I, uh, you're exactly what you're saying is exactly right. I'm utterly terrified for him on Sunday if he's. <laughs> If he's in the top two or three with after 54 holes, I'm really scared for him. And we just want another English winner, don't we? We need yeah. first one since Faldo, first one in England since Jacqueline in 69. It's just been too long. Fleetwood is looking down the leaderboard, absolutely our biggest chance. And yeah, you are right. He's like, he, is, he seems like the most chill man on the Wirral. But then, like we say, it comes Sunday. And then there's just going to be that fear in his eyes. It's, uh, I would, I, I think a Fleetwood win would make me happier than any other player winning this week. You know, Luke, when you, when you examine the type of test that this golf course poses, it's, it would just look like it's right up Tommy Fleetwood Street. You know, it's a ball strikers golf course. What do I mean by that? Essentially, even though there's been a lot of rain, you're still able to take driver out of play a little bit and so you're relying on second shots those funky green complexes putting it in the right spots that's Tommy's game is it not so by rights if he's going to perform well on any of the courses on the open road this feels like one that's maybe better suited than others yeah absolutely um, I mean it's, it's interesting because Royal Liverpool sort of has this identity right is that it breeds these incredible champions um, mm. but really what it does is that it, it breeds these incredible ball striking champions 
Do you know, like they all happen to be great players, of course. But Tommy Fleetwood's right up there, Ali, because when you look at this golf course, it's, you know, flat as can be. The biggest sort of threats it poses are these little pot bunkers, which require, you know, some pretty precise maneuvering. And it all sort of aligns for Tommy Fleetwood's game. He just doesn't necessarily have the previous wins to make you feel comfortable as a fan that he could maybe go wire to wire and win this thing unless he pulls away from the pack notably but um yeah i'm with alex i just absolutely love to see it i guess the logic is that that's got to change sometime doesn't it it would be his first pga tour win as well so (laughs) zinger will be happy there's that too max homer there with a long birdie effort in 17 that came up just a little bit short so he's remaining at three under we're just watching john ram two over at the moment it's just not got going from today and he's missed some really makeable putts he's hitting his drive down 18 at the moment trying to cut it back that looks like it's going to be fine well he's walking after it so i presume he's quite happy so that group of john ram rory mcelroy justin rose coming up the 18th as we speak Let's talk about Rory Gents. He's currently level par for the day. He's battled back from two over. So he got off to a decent start. He was one under early on. Then things started to go ropey. Two over around the turn. A couple of birdies on the back nine. And here he is, level par. Luke, from what you've seen of Rory today, what has surprised you the most? I think it's always tough when a player comes off a victory, right? Because even though they're obviously playing well, I just think that it takes a lot out of you competing down the stretch, playing in the elements, you know, your swing can move around too, you're tired. And that's sort of what seemed to show up in his game today. I mean, I know that's sort of a bit fluffy and intangible, but missed, you know, missed a short part. He sort of missed a few drives left early on, which is sort of Rory's miss. And it just, it, I think it looks like a guy who's, who's playing well, but you're right. He's just not quite on his comfortable wavelength. Probably because he's just exhausted, frankly. Yeah, I suspect that's right. Alex, a little bit wild off the tee today, Rory. And that's, strangely, he struggled with the driver early on this season, but it's been one of the strengths of his game more recently. I mean, should we be panicking as Rory fans if he comes in and gets in tonight at, you know, level par? He'll be five shots behind. Is that is that a good thing or a bad thing or a, a nothing burger? He doesn't like those these late finishes, does he? Was it the PGA or the US Open where he said he was standing on the first tee and he was already seven shots behind? Masters and he doesn't like that. Masters, Masters was it? Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, he, he really doesn't like these late late starts, does he? But that's the Americans for you, isn't it? They want the big guns out at the at the right time. So, I'm not concerned about Rory if he comes in at level par tonight. I'm happy with that. I think he's. I think Luke's absolutely right. I I got annihilated on Sunday for saying that I wanted. Bob Mack to win the Scottish and, and Rory to contend because I wanted Rory to be a bit fresher for for this week and I, and I felt that if he went that extra level to win at, at Renaissance it would have taken it, him out, out of him a little bit I, I don't know I've, I've just got to that point with Rory in the majors where it's just like I'm starting to think it's just never going to happen Oh, I'm no, st- don't say that. It just, it's, it's, I mean, we spend so long in the build-up, don't we? We talk about it on podcasts. We, we write about it on our websites and in our magazines and we get so excited about it. And then we get to the first day and he flumps it around the way he has and we all just sort of like sag our shoulders. <laughs> it's just, it's not going to happen again. It around. That's a technical term, Luke. You, mean, you, you cover the performance side of the game, flumps it around. Would you, would you recognise that? Oh, I recognise it and I applaud it. <laughs> 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 Gents, loads more to discuss. But I'm going to throw it to the break right now. Please do not go anywhere. 
All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in Performance from Callaway. Welcome back to the Open Commute in association with Callaway Golf presented by Bunkard and coming to you live from Royal Liverpool as day one of the 151st Open is coming to an end. Michael McEwen, Alex Perry and Luke Cardenine from Golf Digest. We are all here. Before we get back to the golf, gents, I'm getting quite a bit of heat on social media for uh, a comment that I made. That's nothing new, but <laughs> it was about the Beatles. So we've seen an awful lot of the Beatles on the coverage today. We get to see the American broadcast in the, the media center as well. And they are, oh my God, they are laying on thick with the <clears throat> so-called Fab Four. I've said this before, I'm, I'm not a Beatles fan. Look, don't really do it for me. Alex, I think, yeah, Alex is just rolling his eyes like Brooks Kepka, <laughs> as if Bryson has just walked past behind him. So we know where Alex stands. Where are you, Luke, on the Beatles? Well, I, of course, love the Beatles. I, I, I can't believe I'm in the minority opinion on this podcast. This is bizarre. Like, you are not. You are not in the minority. Uh, so you, Alex loves them. Oh, Alex I loves them. them. Yes, oh, sorry, good, yeah, good. absolutely. I, I was rolling I'm, my eyes at what he was oh, saying. Good. Oh, good. I'm, I'm the exact opposite. It just, you just, it just doesn't do it for me. Do, do you, what other good things do you not like? Like sunshine, <laughs> like, like delicious food, <laughs> <laughs> smiles, just hates a good smile. Rachel Stevens walks in, I'm like, nah. <laughs> nah, I did, they just an never school reference. Oh, but a great reference. That's, that's also an open invitation. Rachel, if you're listening, you'd like to be a guest <laughs> in the Bunker podcast, you're more than welcome. Nah, the Beatles don't do it for me, so. Just I, th I think you're. I think you just do that thing. You know when people are trying to be a bit cool and say they don't like popular things like Star Wars. I don't like. I've never seen a, a Star Wars film. Yeah, well done, mate. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I love Star Wars, but see, if Beatles did the soundtrack to it. I'd probably like it a good ten percent less. <laughs> anyway, enough enough music chat. You're here for the golf. Let's talk about Justin Thomas, if you don't mind, gents, because it's been another struggle for him today. Last I saw, he was seven over par. Let's just have a quick look and see where he is now. Yeah, seven over. He says he's coming up 18. He's playing just in front of Rory. So he is almost last. Genuinely tied 140th out of 156 players in the field at the moment. And look, that's becoming an all too regular occurrence for Justin Thomas. You're maybe a little bit closer to him and the PGA Tour than we are over here in Europe. What's going on and what are people saying in the States about this? It's So first of all, I, I do want to like iterate here that this would be a really big loss for like the US Ryder Cup team. Even he's if not he ends anywhere up, near it. Not he? anywhere near it, even if he gets picked. Remember, he sort of brings the best out of guys like Jordan Spieth. He's a good guy in the locker room. He loves the tournament and he was a real hero the past two of them he played, right? Mm -hmm. well, Past three of them he's played. So it's, uh, it would be a big, you know, he needs to start playing well. Like he's an asset to the US team, first of all. But I think from a from a game perspective. Um, and here we are, funnily enough, as you say that, I've just glanced at the screen. We can see him playing out of a bunker sideways. He's going to rack up another bogey here easily, at least. The head is down. He's, he's not in a good place. He's not in a good place. I think if I had to guess what's happening, just based on what. 
Justin Thomas plays golf in quite a complicated way, right? A bit like Bubba Watson in the sense that, you know, on the advice of Tiger, he learned, he taught himself to hit all these different shots, you know, high and low and left and right and do everything. But when he's not executing at a really high level, when he's just not hitting those shots, it can just, the ball can start going all over the place because he has no control over his golf ball when things start going south. So in some ways he just needs to simplify it a little bit, maybe stick to one shot, um, start aiming at more middle, stop being so aggressive, um, because right now he's just kind of in a slate of just constantly backfire. Yeah, something just isn't right. And I wonder, Alex, if he's maybe missing Tiger a little bit. <laughs> missing <laughs> his pal. Is, is it a bit of that, do you think? <laughs> it could be. Is that a thing? Do players miss their mates and then stop playing well? I, I mean, I think it's more of a team sports thing, but is a, speaking of team sports, is there's no chance he doesn't get picked for the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I couldn't like, imagine. He's, he's, he's got a pick locked yeah. up. Do you think so? I think so. Even the way he's playing, playing oh. so badly, missing cuts, not performing in major championships and generally looking like the last place he wants to be as a golf course, that's the guy you're picking on the US Ryder Cup team. I think you sort of always get one benefit of the doubt pick if you've proven yourself in mm. previous Ryder Cup, mm. right? I think that's true for both <laughs> if you, sides. If you're Ian Poulter, you get three. <laughs> <laughs> well, Westwood, Poulter and Garcia are three really good examples of players who have been in miserable form and gone into a Ryder Cup and then torn it up. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And so I do think he'll he'll get one of those, you know, like, um, but even so, it's not necessarily a position that Zach Johnson wants to have to justify, right? Picking a player who's out of form on the hopes that he could conjure up something in team competition because that can go south in a hurry, right? He pick, picks a guy, doesn't work out, trots him out there three times, loses three points. It's just, it's a headache. So Ernie Els, gentlemen, he made some comments today. He shot a 75, incidentally, so he really shouldn't be someone that we're speaking about, but lo and behold, we are because he said some interesting things about Jay Monaghan. And I may come back to this because as we watch the screen, Justin Thomas has a putt for triple bogey about, what's this, 15, 20 feet away. Let's see if he makes it. Seven over par on his round. And no. It's going to be a quad to finish for Just Justin Thomas. Just get on a It's going now. to be tap in there for his quad. Very lackadaisical tap in. Salutes the crowd. It is halves of 39, 43, 11 over, 82. And only one man is beneath him on the leaderboard at the moment. Techi Cole, who had a 10 at the last. So that gives you some example, some idea of just how bad a round that's been from Justin If Thomas. I can just add to that, I shot 86 around here. So from the, probably from a, the back probably a slightly head. shorter golf course. It's, do you know what's funny? I, I saw this, somebody made this point on social media earlier because I've just tried to belittle your incredible score. <laughs> but somebody did point out, if you took away the ball spotters, etc., that the pros get, which you didn't get the benefit of, how many shots per round do those people save them? So, you know, Alex, <laughs> my get caddy, in my the caddy saved year. me a few shots. I'll have to give him a shout out. He certainly saved me a few. But and yeah. now 10% because of what you've just said. <laughs> Let's get back to Jay Monaghan. We'll give you the, the latest on Rory when he finishes up in just a few minutes' time. But yeah, gents, Jay Monaghan, Ernie Hills went in pretty two footed. Speaking to Bob Harrig at Sports Illustrated. Ernie really sounded off on the, the PIF PGA Tour deal. He said, if this happens in my day, in my prime, there's no way that Jay Monaghan's going to be sticking around. No way. 
and the board has to change. He said, you do shit like this, I'm sorry, it's not right. Alex, <laughs> take on Ernie Els at your peril. But listen, this is, this is the last thing that Jay Monaghan probably either expected or needed this week. Well, first of all, I think I would say it's very easy to come out and be ranty when you've just uh, had a really poor round of golf. But 75, he beat you by 11, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, you should have heard my rant against Jay Monaghan. <laughs> no, Monaghan... I wrote about this when the whole merger thing broke. And in fact, I think it was my first piece for Bunkered. And my point in the piece was that Monaghan has to win over the players. This is his biggest job yet, is winning over the players. Reading Elle's comments, how can you argue with what he's saying? This is one of the well he's a legend i think it's okay that that word gets thrown around a lot but he is a bona fide legend and he is perhaps for that reason more entitled to his opinion than the most players and you know he's been on the pga tour on the dp world tour for so many years i, I don't even want to count so why wouldn't we sit down and listen to this guy when he has something to say we absolutely should be listening to him My, as far as I'm concerned, nothing has changed since the merger stuff came out. Monaghan has got to come out and prove why these guys who are attacking him are wrong. Mm -hmm. Can yep. he do that? Well, it remains to be seen that, doesn't it? I mean, look, legends are now starting to really pile up mm. uh, against Jay Monaghan. It's one thing when it's the rank and file of the tour who feel slighted and aggrieved who have been speaking out about him. But we had Tom Watson's very lengthy open letter just about a month or so ago, which I think struck everyone a bit by surprise. And now there's Ernie Els coming out and saying it as well. I'm curious to get the a sense of what it's like in the States right now. Is how do how do people in America, golf fans, feel about Jay Monaghan? Is his position tenable? I think the golf fans over there, based on my read on, on it, is that they feel similar to the players and that it's not necessarily the fact that the deal was made is that there's just no rationalizing the sort of quote-unquote betrayal that they seem to have felt. I think part of this is because the messaging around this has been so screwed up, right? Like for a year and a half, Monaghan and the tour just galvanized support, you know, for 9-11 families against where the money's coming from, against the players who took the money. And the wall ran just extremely hot the public relations war right mm. and then to to just flip this sort of in a real surprise announcement effectively it just if you ever knew this was a potential exit strategy for you to just do a deal then you don't let the war run as hot as you did okay. and and sort of really pile into public opinion the way they did and you know if if i think it in an alternate universe if the tour comes out and just says which i don't know if it's true but if they said for instance um, listen, like we were financially strained by these lawsuits. We were on a burn rate that was unsustainable. We needed to go to the table and we came out of the negotiation owning the tour, then owning this joint entity. Then that at least makes sense, I think, to people's minds. But the piece of it that does make sense to people's minds is the fact that, you know, the messaging right now seems to be, oh, well, everything's going fine. Everything was going fine. But then we just did this deal anyway, and now we're still in charge. It just doesn't add up. And I think people people can stuff that stuff out. 
Rory McIlroy is Alex Perezzi just now I saw you pointing at he him was, the screen. he's right up against a bunker face it's not pretty in two on 18 so the, yes in two on, in 18. Two on 18 the 18th is, has been a cruel uh, Ram's in one as well oh gesturing wildly I'm not sure if that's at spectators or he's shouting something as well the, the 18 is the 18 has uh, ruined some scorecards today. There's a there's a 10, isn't there? There sure somewhere. Is, yeah. I'm trying to look for it on this huge scoreboard at the front of the media yeah, centre. Taichi Cole, the only guy that's below Justin Thomas on the leaderboard at the moment. There's John Ram. There you go. Two so, over, coming so out Co backwards. Coe's had a 10. JT's had a nine. There's plenty of sevens. Fowler had an eight. Did he really? Was it an well, eight? That's right. A couple yeah, of shanks he there. Yeah. Shanked a couple out yeah. of bounds. That was brutal we're just waiting on Rory finishing up whilst we, we do I want to ask you guys quickly about Brandel Shamley's latest comments on the Golf Channel last night a fifth major the Players Championship Alex no bored of that chat there's four majors America first of all if there's going to be a fifth major it's going to be a live no I'm joking if there's <laughs> going to be a fifth major it would have to be a worldwide major, a global major, whether that's Australia or Asia or it's just a, a, a major that moves around the world, perhaps. America's got three majors already. It, it doesn't need another one. It's, it's ludicrous. We don't need a fifth major. Four's plenty. Having said that, we are three quarters of the way from the open finishing and the Masters feels like about two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. and about How, three years away I'm not absolutely one. yeah I'm absolutely not a fan of crunching all four majors in I well totally four, four majors in four months basically isn't more it? like a tennis schedule I think yeah. I've always advocated for that not I don't have to work necessarily how much you can play tennis indoors they would never move the Open to September but my god how much fun would that be no how yes. much fun would that be well yeah very true look yeah I totally agree I, I can't stand that they're also crunched together and, and I also if there's one thing I think golf fans and powers that being golf should be reflective about amid all this live stuff is that it's really highlighted how many people feel that professional golf has just been centralized in the u.s and specifically mm -hmm. in the southern u.s mm -hmm. and that a lot of golf fans feel left out you know that uh, i remember going to tournaments at wentworth in london when i was growing up and it was just packed with so many top players who were basically exclusive to the European tour at that time. That system doesn't really exist anymore. And I think, you know, don't even get me going on fans in Australia and how they're feeling, how they, how left out they feel about all this. And I think when we start, we should just always keep that in mind when we start talking about whether golf schedule deserves a fifth major, because when you think about that, it's hard to justify that that fifth major, if there should be one at all, should be the Players' Championship in Southeastern America. It's hard to make a case I've always thought for for the Players' Championship. I get the strength of field stuff. I get the fact that it's got $25 million prize money in next year, 30, and the year after that, probably 150. Oh. My word, Rory. Oh, my. So, yeah, very much up against the face of the bunker. Looked like he was trying to play out sideways. It didn't go very well. He's now out of the bunker having a look. This is not the end to the round that Rory fans would have wanted, is it? One player told me once that it's the only thing you remember from your round uh, is your 18th hole. Really? You know, yeah. and specifically when, when you finish poorly. That's the thing you just stew over all night, the warm up the next day, weeks after. It's how you finish that round. And 
this is the kind of thing that just dances around in your head. It's funny you say that because the last time that Rory was on this hole in a competitive sense, he won the Claret Jug. Mm. And now, look, he's, he's got one foot in the bunker, one foot outside it. Harry's now coming in. I mean, how often does Harry get called in to, to have a look at a shot? Never mind anything else. So Rory about to play his fourth shot. He'll do very, very well not to drop a shot here. At least one shot, potentially. Harry coming in to offer some help. There's a little Beatles gag for you there. Oh. <laughs> of course, this, ladies and gents, as you're listening, was all happening yesterday. <laughs> that is pretty damn good from there. Rory on one leg out of the bunkers. Fourth shot, he's left himself. About eight feet for his par, gents. Yeah, really good shot there. Yeah, about eight yeah, maybe slightly more than that now that I see it again from the reverse angle. That's probably about 10, 12 feet he's going to have for his par. Look, talk us through, you're you're the performance man here. Talk us through the technique that Rory's just produced there. How difficult a shot is that out well, of, say, 10? Well, what's, oh, probably eight, nine, you know, I can't even... Like, probably so, as hard a shot it's going to get. Absolutely. You for, know, Rory. The, for, for Rory. For <laughs> Rory. The... The only redeeming factor here is that you've got a decent lie, even though it's in the sand, right? But the problem is he's got so much weight on his back foot there because his left foot's out of the bunker and that helps you hit up on the ball, which means that like normal humans like the rest of us, except maybe Alex after his, uh, his <laughs> <laughs> would just would, they would just thin the ball into the lip, right? The fact that Rory was able to get down and send it up was really incredible. It certainly was. There's Justin Rose, uh, a lengthy putt there. I'm actually not sure what that was for. Justin Rose, the cover star of our open, cover star of our open preview. He fancied himself as uh, the next Englishman to win on English soil. That all adds up there to a round of 74-3 over par for Justin Rose. He's just fallen off, the, off. fallen off a little bit, hasn't he, Justin a Rose? A little bit, yeah. The form's not quite the same, there is was, it? Yeah, the, the last couple of weeks, I... I, I he was my man to back for the Open for the last few weeks and then I actually ended up not backing him after his uh, form dropped off he just I'm not putting money on someone who's falling out of form going into an Open you need to be in good form so John Ram now to finish up his round hopefully his last shot of the day this is for par we're around about 25-30 feet he is two over and oh comes up just a little bit left that is the face of an angry, angry man. I presume we're not going down to the mix zone to try and speak to him after this, gents, are we? will be ill-advised. I have a young daughter at home. I want to make it back. Uh, are you kidding me? I'm not going to look Think at that face. Think of the kids, John. Think <laughs> of the kids. Yeah, nines of 36 and 38 there for John Ram. Excellent beard, though. Very Excellent good beard, beard, isn't it? Yeah. I think... Uh, this, it's tr it's certainly trending up the number and quality of beards on on top. Oh, there's a standout recently. winner just now. Mm -hmm. Lucas Herbert's caddy, Nick <laughs> Pugh. Oh. That man has seen things and potentially done things. <laughs> just look at a photo of him. He is, he's quite the character. Rory for his par. It's on its way and it's Ooh, in. There it is. Come from Rory. Give him, the, that, give him the clarity. Chuck. <laughs> that feels like it could be very, very meaningful. <laughs> after that second shot, especially after the third shot, what an incredible up and down from Rory. But see, at risk of being a bit hokey, players remember what happens on 18. Like, if he misses that part, he goes to bed annoyed. He's yep. going to think about that this is the momentum shifter that he could potentially need to 
kickstart his his This is exactly what I was talking about the other day on this very podcast about Jordan Spieth at Royal St. George's. Saturday night missed a very simple putt and you could tell it was playing on his mind on Sunday. You're absolutely right. People think that that stuff doesn't exist, but it does. Mm -hmm. It certainly does. There's Rory level par for his day, a round of 71. Five shots back, but that part of the last is probably going to feel like a birdie, I would suspect. And that is it from us for today's open commute. We stayed on a little bit longer there. We just wanted to see Rory finish up his round. Listen, you're, you're listening to this. You know all of this and how it's happened, <laughs> how it's gone down. But we just wanted to give you a flavour in real time. So, Luke Cardinine, thank you very much, as always, for joining us. I, I buttered you up by telling you that our listeners are big fans of yours, and they are. They <laughs> every word. They genuinely are. We get so many messages anytime you come on the pod. So thank you very much indeed. And Alex, thank you to you as well. You'll be back Pleasure. tomorrow, I'm sure, I at will. some point, where normal service will be resumed and you will be back to being the only Englishman on the pod. <laughs> the I'm going to make it my mission for the next 24 hours to change that. <laughs> Who should we go for? That is your challenge. So thank you very much to Callaway for their continued support of the podcast. Thank you to you for listening. And we'll be back again tomorrow where we'll be talking about the players who haven't advanced to the weekend, as well as those who have a great chance of winning the Clavet Jug. Until then... Bye-bye for now.